Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I don't have that straight white boy privilege anymore, which was a, a complete shock to the system. And then what do you know? I had two men approach me just as I was waiting for my Uber literally came out of nowhere out of my peripheral vision just straight in front of me and quite frankly I nearly had a heart attack because it was so unexpected but it was also so freaking scary that my body shut down I didn't know what to do other than just say can you please go away hello everyone and welcome to the nasty woman club I am your host Demi Lynch and this week on the show I will be talking about a particular woman that should be on everyone's radar I am talking about Maddie Harrington. She is a 24-year-old lawyer that grew up in Christchurch, New Zealand and in Sydney, Australia, and now lives in Brisbane kicking ass in her job field. Did I mention she recently won a 30 Under 30 award and has been profiled for the 100 Women in Law campaign? Not only that, but Maddie recently celebrated a very important anniversary. On October 26, 2019, she celebrated one year since transitioning from a man into a woman. That's right, Maddie Harrington is a trans woman and she is kicking ass. I could have spoken to her for hours and hours and hours on end about her transition process, about just anything really. So it was very hard to just tighten it down to just one episode of us talking about things because I could have spoken to her forever. But what I did get in the episode We did speak about TERFs, her recognising male privilege after transitioning into a woman. And also, I discovered the most epic coming out story ever. I know for sure many of you are going to enjoy this interview because Maddie is just a breath of fresh air and she honestly is amazing and has a wardrobe I seriously need to raid, that's for sure. Hope you all enjoy. This is Maddie Harrington. I grew up in very crusty and conservative and very white Christchurch, New Zealand, and also crusty, white and conservative Northern Beaches of Sydney. Fun, so, good So, there. like, I didn't really help myself. And quite frankly, growing up, I didn't know a single gay person, let alone anyone that was trans. Nobody in my family is gay or any way LGBTI inclined. And so to have suddenly stumbled, I don't even know how, but stumbled across you know, back in the days of dial-up internet, Kim Petras hearing her story, reading interviews and news articles about her, that was when, you know, the light bulb moment happened. When something went off in my head that was like, oh, crap, like that actually explains a lot about me and a lot of the feelings that I've felt through my childhood. Oh my God, like that has just been put into words for me. And so I guess that was the first time that I ever felt, oh, hang on, maybe I am a girl. But it was never really something that I had known of or been able to put words to prior. I guess for me, that was the first time, but certainly wouldn't be the last. Yeah. Um, my journey from there is a journey of chopping and changing schools, a journey of bullying, um, harassment, and quite frankly, just being a miserable teenager. You know, teenage years are hard enough for anyone. Yeah. Let's face it. But for me... Having gone to all-boys schools for my entire life, effectively, it was especially hard because, for me, I knew deep down what I was, and that wasn't a boy. And I seem to have been giving off 
some sort of subtle signals to the other boys because I was relentlessly bullied for being gay. I was called the F word. I was thrown in dumpsters even. Really? Um, literally grabbed by my arms and legs and, you know, rocked back and forth between two big, strong, burly blokes and thrown into a dumpster because I was gay which I wasn't. My entire life up until this year, mm-hmm. I had exclusively identified as a straight male. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I, I couldn't correlate the two. I couldn't go, well, why am I being tarred with this brush when I'm not? Like, you know, really, I'm just a girl. I'm just a girl trapped in a, a, a boy's body. And quite frankly, it hurts. Um, it's, it's not fun going through puberty as well at the best of times, as we all know. But then double that with the happenings of what is gender dysphoria, which is now known as gender incongruence, where literally your brain does not match your body. It's the simplest way to describe that. And so those feelings of pain, I'm very fortunate in that I've never had depression or anything like that in my life, which is a rarity amongst LGBTI, trans people, and quite frankly, wider society these days. Mm. But I was definitely on the edge. I was on the border of for most of my life. I think it was just that I had the sort of upbringing where you push things down and you don't talk about them, that that was what got me through it. Had I actually been aware of what depression was, mm. what the signs of it were, then quite frankly, it would have been the thing that I was aware of. But just the way that my life was, was never an option to even have. And quite frankly, my mother would have effectively not physically beaten it out of me, but verbally beaten it out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's probably been the struggle of my life to this day is dealing with the bullying that I've always endured. It sucked at the time, but I have to admit it has made me who I am today. It has made me a much stronger, more confident person than what I ever was before. Transitioning isn't easy at the best of times, but I am so lucky in that, you know, I have so much privilege in my life at the moment. I'm one of those trans people that can just blend into society. I'm not immediately clocked as being trans. I I just blend. It's the Mm. simplest way to put it. And that affords me so much ability to just get on with my life without being hassled or harassed. Definitely for me, the hardest part of my transition was, I guess, coming out. And so fast forward many, many years to January this year, January 1st, Mm -hmm. New Year's. Oh, Stroke of midnight, (laughs) hit the post button on Facebook, and Happy New Year. By that stage, obviously, I had already come out to close friends and family, but, you know, as any millennial these days knows, there's a whole wider community out there on Facebook that your acquaintances with at the least, and friends with at best, but you don't see each other all that often. And so, to everyone else that I hadn't already told... That was probably the shock of their lives because, you know, for 24 years I had been straight, I had been a guy, and for the last, you know, five years I'd been in a relationship and had been engaged for three. So, you know, I've had... It's funny, like, I say that I have had two lives because in some ways I have. I have had that past history which has helped make me who I am, but now I'm living this life and it's, it's kind of funny seeing seeing society from both sides of the table, shall we say, Mm -hmm. Um, seeing how men are treated in society versus how women are treated. And it's actually been a remarkable difference Mm. just seeing how that gender changes things. Yeah. What are some examples of, like, the difference when you're treated as a woman than as a man? I guess, so, by trade, obviously, I'm a lawyer. Mm. And so um, I'm very fortunate in that I do work in a very 
female-friendly work environment. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the lawyers in my team are women bar two. One is a gay man to begin with, so effectively he's one of the girls anyway. The yeah. way he acts, the way he talks, the things he does, uh, he just fits in with us. And mm-hmm. so I'm very fortunate in that regard. But what I have found is that going to other legal networking events um, at law firms in the city, women are often overlooked and not listened to in the, on, in the same way as men are. I can definitely see how women in you know law firms particularly often get overlooked for promotions. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not something that comes to mind to a lot of people these days, even still. Um, you know, we have so much awareness of the fact that women are often overlooked for promotions and things like that in the law, but the sad thing is it still happens. Mm. You know, I see my male counterparts cruising through careers, I see female counterparts, you know, looking to drop out, quite frankly, because of the way that they're treated, because of the workload that's put on them, because of family commitments. And so being part of that group of women now, you know, my pain is their pain and vice versa. Um, And so that's something that I think I've actually loved the most, though, is that collegiateness of women together. Quite frankly, I've been taken under the wing of so many women since I came out and started my transition. Oh, that's great. I always had more female friends than male friends, Mm -hmm. and that number is now approximately 99% female to maybe 1% male. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I actually love it that way. I've always found that I got along better with women. Funny that. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, that's kind of been the most interesting thing. And then other simple things, like getting let onto the bus earlier than others and okay uh-huh. little things like that which I'd never experienced before normally I would be the one to go okay yep there's a lady she can go on ahead of me but now I'm having it done to me and not to mention probably one of the worst things is the attraction that I receive from unsavorable people mm, uh, on social media <laughs> fun of being a woman on social media right yeah um you know having my inboxes flooded with direct messages from people going Ha ha, ye, you're so sexy or you're cute. And it's like, oh, why? <laughs> that must have felt so odd receiving that because when you're when you're a guy, that does not happen than when you're a woman. Yeah. You just get just like messages from complete strangers on the other side of the world and you think, How the hell did you find me? Like right? I, I, I'm not in any way connected. How not, did you find me? And not now, at all of a, all. now all of a sudden you're just like, Oh hey lovely, oh do you want some of my yeah. yeah, it's like, <laughs> and I've received my fair share of pictures to match. And oh, I'm just like, I think I want to burn my eyeballs out now. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things, really, where I just having, you know, as I say, having seen both sides of the table, mm. I don't understand it. Mm. Because I was never one of those men that would solicit women, um, that would send random explicit messages or even non-explicit messages out of the blue. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so it has been a strange adjustment because it is something that you've always heard of. Mm. But when you when you don't experience it, you just pass it off. It's not something that you ever think about. And so you hear about it, you go, oh, that sucks. But when it actually happens to you, it's crazy. Uh, you're like, what even is this? As you, as you said, where did you find me? How do you... <laughs> yep. like? How in any way do you think that this is an acceptable thing to do? And I think one of the other things that I've found is also catcalling. Um, oh, yeah. Like, as a man, men don't get catcalled, obviously. Mm. Um, but I still remember that probably one of my earlier times being out in the valley, tr- 
uh, during my early Girl transition. Valley. Yeah, <laughs> Girl Valley, bad combination for stuff. I know, yeah. I know. I'm a sucker for it. <laughs> Literally, I had gone to the Law Society's awards dinner, which was being held, I think, at the convention center, and then we kicked on to the Valley. I was in full workwear, mm. uh, you know, a full corporate dress and everything, looking like a hot mess because <laughs> I'd been clubbing in corporate wear. It was hot. I was wearing a wig at, the st- at that time as well, so uh-huh. sweat was dripping off my face. <laughs> um, I decided to leave. I told a friend that I was leaving, but I'm like, I had that male privilege still in my mind that, you know, this will be fine. You know, I'm 6'2". I got this. Like, mm-hmm. I was also in heels. So, like, I'm... 6'2 in flats, I'm about 6'4 in heels. <laughs> Power. Yeah. What can I say? Not a woman to be messed with. No, yeah. no. Exa- ex- look, exactly. Yeah. And I feel comfortable in heels. I like heels. You know, I wear them for me, not mm. for anyone else. And anyway, so I walk from whatever club it was through Brunswick Street Mall down to catch my Uber, and I'm waiting there going, oh, crap. Like, this was actually a really stupid decision to make. Mm. I'm alone. I'm vulnerable. I'm in heels. I'm not going to go anywhere anytime soon. So if someone wanted to attack me, I'm primed for the picking, shall we say. And I was actually really, really, really scared because my phone was nearly flat. I was alone. And it was the first time that I realized, hang on, I don't have that straight white boy privilege anymore, which was a a complete shock to the system. And then what do you know? I had two men approach me just as I was waiting for my Uber, literally came out of nowhere, out of my peripheral vision, just straight in front of me. And quite frankly, I nearly had a heart attack because it was so unexpected, but it was also so freaking scary that my body shut down. I didn't know what to do other than just say, can you please go away? Because Not only was I a woman, but I was also a trans woman. Mm. And trans women are subject to so much more violence when people clock them as trans just for being who they are. And so the the fear of the woman in me, but there was also the double fear of being a trans woman going through my mind going, what if this person clocks me? What's going to happen to me? Am I going to end up like a statistic, be that raped or murdered? Because quite frankly, that's what we're told to be wary of. Even though I wasn't a woman per se for the first 24 years of my life, I was. I always have been. And I've always been aware of the challenges and the fears that women face because I have always had majority women friends. And so I have effectively always been one of the girls. And so we would talk about these things and it was always something that I was aware of, but I never had to face because I had that straight white boy privilege. Now that that privilege is gone, I am so wary, you know, I'm so wary of the fact that I'm a woman and I'm so wary of the fact that I'm trans because those two combined could potentially be a bad time all round. And Australia is fortunate in that we are a relatively safe country for trans people, but even little things like being harassed for being trans, I'm scared of. Yeah. Um, it, it scares my parents, it scares me, it scares mm-hmm. my friends. Because people say, oh, that's a man in a dress, or that's a she-male, or anything like that. And that is so derogatory of who I am as a person. At the end of the day, I'm a human being. I have feelings. I have love. I have family. I have friends. I'm no different to your sister. Why are you attacking me in this way? I will try and avoid putting myself in 
positions of danger. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I need to live my life. Yeah, you exactly. Know, mm. th- there's always that compromise of safety versus fun. Yeah. Um, as any woman experiences, quite frankly. And mm-hmm. so there have been opportunities that I've passed up that have been, say, in the valley late at night um, to do things with because it's been with a bunch of, you know, either straight male friends or even gay male friends who don't have the same fears that a woman, let alone a trans woman, does. And so that's been my probably the biggest surprise to me is how soon that fear actually hit and that awareness actually hit. Mm -hmm. So then that must have really angered you then when it was, it was this week or last week when that particular, it was last week when that Facebook event was organized for, it was to raise awareness about women's violence, especially like late at night at streets. So women should feel comfortable walking the streets at night. You saw the event, which, you know, it's a great event that they had that, but what they didn't really um, look at was the comments underneath saying that this was just for their their version of what a woman was, that it was exclusionary or excluding of trans people. Correct. So what was then your thoughts seeing all that? You know, you yourself have just, and this is recently, you've just recently just started to feel like what it's like to be a woman walking in the middle of the night and yeah. you're just on edge all the time if a guy comes near you, even if he's just hooting on you and... As soon as a guy Mm. comes near me, my, you know, my defences are up. I'm going. Mm. Do I need to get my keys out just in case? Yeah, absolutely. And you also got to do the whole, okay, do I be, I I, I should be friendly so then they don't think I'm going to start a fight. But if I be too friendly, then it seems like I want to have sex with them, they apparently think. I don't get Mm. it. I really don't. Like, (laughs) what in any logical way is that a sign of consent? Yeah, it makes no sense. So you yourself have experienced that, that yeah. fear, what was it like then seeing those comments of some of our listeners might not know this, of from TERFs? What was that? What's it been like, those comments from those people? So I think I'll just quickly define what a TERF actually is. For those that don't know, TERF is an acronym. TERF stands for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminists. Problem is, they're not really feminists. They yeah. just like to use that term because it seems cool to them. Trans people are constantly at the ire of Uh, TERFs Mm. and, quote, gender-critical folks. Um, So TERFs and gender-critical folks tend to fall into the same basket. A lot of them say that the word TERF is a slur. No, it's just an acronym. Uh, Deal with it. (laughs) Um, And so basically what they're all about is to erase trans people from women's spaces, women's sports, women's events, and just keep a cis not necessarily heteronormative, but just a cisgendered, uh, so non-trans, born female world. Mm. I guess it's the easiest way to describe it. So things like women's sports, they say trans women shouldn't compete. You have naturally higher testosterone in your bodies or when a logical fallacy is pointed out in that, well, actually, no, trans women 99% of the time take testosterone blockers as part of their hormone replacement therapy and actually have lower levels of testosterone than cisgendered women, they go, oh, well, your body's already been affected by testosterone then. So you have that natural advantage. To which I would then say, well, do we tell men off? Like Michael Phelps, for instance, who has a natural arm span advantage over his competitors for naturally being better because they just happen to be born that way. Regarding trans women in sports, it's not really something that I'm overly knowledgeable about. I'm hardly sporty myself. (laughs) Um, My sport is trying to find something on Netflix to watch. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, And so for me, I just go, look, every 
everyone is entitled to their views, sure, like I'm not going to be able to stop you from saying your views, but I just want you to reconsider how flawed they actually are. Um, And that's the biggest thing that I find with TERFs is that a lot of their viewpoints actually are double standards because the views that they proclaim to to hold and express are actually just as detrimental to cisgendered women as they are to trans women. Mm -hmm. Probably the one that draws the most attention from TERFs is that trans women shouldn't be allowed in women's bathrooms. (sighs) And, you know, it's just like, the studies actually show the opposite to what you're claiming. So they claim that trans women are predators, we're pedophiles, um, we're rapists, and that we're more likely to abuse people in bathrooms than cisgender people. Yet, media report after media report after media report proves the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, trans women, not so much here in Australia, thankfully, yeah. but overseas, absolutely, are always being abused, harassed, or assaulted just for trying to pee. And quite frankly, that's all we're there to do. We're like any other woman. We go there, we fix our hair, we fix our makeup, and we go to the bathroom, and we leave. Exactly. You haven't become a woman just so you can see other women wash their hands. There's cubicles. There's cubicles for a reason. There's cubicles for a reason. Like, you're not all peeing in the one room. No one becomes a different gender just so they can see people wash their hands. It's a really boring thing, isn't it? Yes, yes. And you don't want to be in the woman's bathroom too long anyway. It's too crowded. It's too crowded. It's hot. Yes, it's hot in there. It's stuffy. It always smells in clubs. Like, you don't want to be in there anyway. It's not a good time around. Like, you get there, do your thing, and get gone. (laughs) As any sane, reasonable person does. Yes, exactly. Definitely. Yet, for some reason... I. And look, frankly, I don't know where this comes from. Mm. Um, I don't know enough of the origins of exclusionary feminism. I don't know why they seem to think trans people are a threat. Quite frankly, I think it's just fear. Um, You know, they say trans people are a new phenomenon, that it's um, something that's popped up only recently. Um, But again, anthropology would show you that, no, it isn't just a new phenomenon. Mm. Um, You know, you look at the Pacific Islands, for instance, where Fafafine have existed for centuries and thousands of years even. Uh, You look to South America and Native America, where you have people of two-spirit or, um, you know, what else? There's basically every indigenous culture around the world has had some third gender, Mm -hmm. be that recognised, be that unrecognised, what have you. Trans people in some way, shape or form have existed. Mm -hmm. In the West, things are a bit sketchy because obviously, you know, cross-dressing has always been something that has been frowned upon, particularly in the West, um, particularly in English culture and society. Think back to your time, your ye old English times, I guess, where men would frock up essentially, um, yet for some reason men who were actually women, so trans people, were always prosecuted for being who they were. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately that has just continued over time. So for me, I'm a big believer in, look, treat people as human beings. Um, we're not too different from each other. Sure, I was born differently, but for me personally, and this isn't the same for everyone, mm-hmm. some people find out later in life, some people find out, you know, as you know, Georgie Stone, for instance, came out when she was about four. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of us are on different timelines. All of us are on different tracks. Um, no two journeys are the same. But at the end of the day, no trans woman is a threat just for being who they are. But I won't say that trans women can't be a threat because we're human beings. You know, there's yeah. going to be bad eggs anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but the numbers are well less than any cisgendered criminal. What you do find that I find scarily sad and interesting at the same time is that here in Queensland... 
I believe that there are eight trans prisoners in Queensland prisons at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, all are trans women, um, and they're all being held in male prisons. Really? And one was actually told that if she wanted to get parole, she would have to stop taking her hormone meds and present as a man before the parole board. What? So Queensland has a long way to go. And I understand that people are naturally concerned. Um, I think women are concerned in the sense that penis is equated to violence. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a fair assumption. But on men, many people are ignorant to the fact that hormones will make you sterile. Hormones will make you be unable to really gain erections and things like that. So even sexually, trans women are not a violent threat to women, mm-hmm. or to anyone for that matter, no more than the average person walking down the street is. And yeah. So at the end of the day, TERFs promote a lot of misinformation. They spread these hatred, they spread their hatred, they spread their fear of others to create division in society because that's what they want. They want division. They want their particular group to be put above another particular group. And that's exactly what we're seeing here in Australia at the moment. Mm. You may have seen recently the federal government announce the religious freedom laws in response to Israel Folau and things like that. Yeah. So what that would effectively do um, is allow religious people to have a privilege over anyone that isn't religious by saying, well, my religious belief is that trans women aren't women. It doesn't even have to be backed up by the Bible or anything like that. It just has to be a genuinely held belief And they will be allowed to say it with no consequences. That will include preventing trans people from getting hormones, preventing gay people from getting PrEP at pharmacies, um, even medical treatment from doctors if you hold a religious belief. So I'm actually very concerned as to where Australian society is going. Wow. Because if if that was like said as, you know, like, oh, I believe a woman is not equal to a man, you know, we would all be in uproar. Theoretically speaking, (laughs) it allows that. Yeah, it allows that, yeah. It also allows you to say, Mm. uh, for a doctor to say to a woman, no, I won't allow you to get an abortion because Mm. it's against my religious beliefs. Yeah. You know, I'm all for people having religious beliefs, but religious beliefs should not come at the extent to the extent of others, yeah. at the expense of others, sorry. It's been a long day. <laughs> um, <laughs> so right. sorry if my wording is a bit all over the show. That's right. It's the end of the day, yep. <laughs> so for me, I'm a big believer in equality, and I think that these laws fly in the face of equality. We've fought so long and so hard to achieve equality, not just women's equality, but, you know, Australia only passed gay marriage two, three years ago. Um, I come from New Zealand where gay marriage was passed, God, 2010, if not not earlier. And it wasn't set out to the public. It was just done via vote in Parliament. Um, You know, there was no campaigning left and right going, no, we don't believe. Yes, we believe. It was just done civilly. It was done Mm. by the politicians and it was done without issue. Did Mm. the sky fall in? No. That's the same thing with trans people. Trans people are just facing the brunt of gay people that gay people face, pardon me, um, in the 70s and 80s. You know, the gay panic defence was only outlawed in Queensland 15, 20 years ago. What's the gay panic defence? So the gay panic defence was a defence in law where someone could be acquitted of assault or murder by claiming gay panic, that the person was coming on to them, that they were scared that they were being hit hit on, um, and so they lashed out accordingly. Um, Can women use that if, if they think a man 
is do you think women can use that what sort of society would we live in if women were allowed to use that of course not of course not because even if women show evidence like yes this man touched me assaulted me raped me it's just like oh but maybe you know he's a good person though (laughs) oh he was that he was that guy oh he went to a good school he's a good swimmer Uh, oh yeah brock turner brock turner i was gonna say jock turner but brock eh, close enough (laughs) yeah but yeah look quite frankly same things happen here in australia Um, shocking so being a lawyer like i see it 65 percent i think of law graduates now are Mm -hmm. female um which is a great sign so women have overtaken men in the law graduate space. Yeah. So there are more women graduating law school than men. However, they still there is still not gender parity in the legal profession. So 48% of solicitors in Queensland are women, mm-hmm. meaning 52% are men still. Yep. So we're nearly there, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you go to the bar, so to be a barrister, that's even lower stats. So what we need to see in the law particularly is more women going to the bar, more women becoming partners at law firms. Um, And I think that will come about with time. I just wish it was here now. Um, But to be realistic, I don't think the legal industry is ready for that yet. Um, I think it has a lot of growing up to do. And I think that will come with people of our generation going, you know, we're not going to stand for this. We are taking a stand for this, however. Um, We want equal pay for equal work. We want more women in charge. And quite frankly, you know, I've always advocated for that. Even as a man, I was always like, why wouldn't a woman be suitable for the top job? Of course, it comes down to whoever is best qualified. 50% of the state government corporations and things like that, um, their boards are now female majority. So the times they are changing, yes. Could it happen faster? Absolutely. But do we still live in a very masculine, patriarchal society? Unfortunately. But what I've noticed as well, that is a positive change, as the same with society and laws in general, there can still definitely be a lot of improvements. What I've noticed probably over even just five years, there's been a really big shift in the media and TV shows, movies anything like that in LGBTQI representation. Yeah. As someone that is trans, what is that like seeing just more representation, not just the same cis white men and women just on your TVs and movies? It's amazing, quite frankly. So I am one of the few transgender lawyers in Australia. I can probably count the number of trans lawyers that I know of on both hands, if not less. Um, and that's compared to thousands upon thousands upon thousands of lawyers nationwide. Yeah. So we make up the 1% of the 1%. And the same goes in the media industry. My biggest thing has always been that you can't be what you can't see. And so that has kind of prompted me to be so open and vocal because when I was coming out, I didn't know any other lawyers who were trans. I still don't in Queensland. Um, I see some people down south, which is amazing, But I don't see anyone local. And so for me, as a baby trans person, I was just like, am I going to survive, quite frankly? Because, you know, I know you asked about the media representation, and I'll get to that in a sec. But being someone that, in the law, you know, you're already, the odds are already somewhat stacked against you as a woman. And then to compound that with the fact that I'm trans, I was incredibly scared. And I think, going to the media for a second, and I think this is where the media plays a role, is to raise awareness of trans people as human beings, because more often than not, we're not seen as human beings. Mm. Um, Society sees us as subhuman, as less than. 
And for me personally, it's been absolutely amazing um, seeing some incredible trans actors appearing on our TV screens at the moment. Yeah. Designated Survivor had, yeah. in the latest series had a trans woman. I guess what I would like to see more of is trans people playing cisgender people as well as trans people. Um, trans people shouldn't be pigeonholed into just playing trans characters. Mm-hmm. They're equally able to be representing cisgender people. Um, I don't see any reason why not. And that's what I think the media executives need to do more of. The production houses need to do more of. They need to get more of that trans representation to the mainstream. We're seeing it on things like Netflix at the moment, but I'm not really seeing it on our free-to-air television. Yeah, it hasn't got there yet, but Netflix has been doing Netflix so has been great. doing a lot of work, yeah, um, which is amazing well to that. see. Mm. Um, and I think the next frontier, even though it is dying with the rise of Netflix and Amazon, things like that, yeah. It's free-to-air TV. Mm. You know, networks picking up TV shows or even producing TV shows with trans characters. Mm. Fantastic to see Neighbours this year coming out and having Georgie Stone on there as an openly trans character. Mm. Um, And even if she wasn't playing an openly trans character, the fact that she is playing a character at all on what is Australia's most popular soap opera, essentially, is a sign that times are changing. And it's a great sign because we need more of that. There are so many fantastic transgender actors and actresses out there that need to see the light of day. Um, There was even talk of a trans man in the UK potentially being the next 007. Really? Unfortunately, that didn't eventuate, but in my opinion, he would have been a fantastic pick. But even like 10 years ago, even five years ago, you could not have that conversation. If someone's to say like, oh, a trans person is going to be 007. Gay people even. Yeah, yeah. Or even just a gay person like being a 007, they'd be like, what? That just would never come up. Just to have that conversation, just such an improvement. We've still got a a mile and a half to go. Oh, yeah. Um, But, you know, signs are promising. Mm. We need to see more action. We need to see more of it actually coming to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, As opposed to just talking about it. Lip service is one thing, you know, it does raise awareness. Mm. Um, And people like Laverne Cox, for instance, off... uh, Oh, don't get me started. I love Laverne (laughs) so much. You know, she's such an advocate for transgender people, uh, people of colour, trans people, being actors and actresses. You know, we're able-bodied human beings Mm. even if we were disabled human beings as there are a number of trans people who are that shouldn't preclude anyone from being an actor if you have the skills if you fit the character just because you're trans that shouldn't be the reason you miss out yeah absolutely and i think that goes for any industry Mm. any job and that's what i've been feeling of late like i have been applying for a few jobs you know Mm. treading the water as a trans person going look i am open about being trans you know how's that going to go down in the legal industry because I'm incredibly supported at Griffith. I couldn't ask for a better team. Um, But I just wanted to see what it is like in the corporate space, because obviously I have so many friends in there, um, and my interests in law are more commercially minded. Mm -hmm. Um, I have applied for a few jobs, and I haven't got any so far. Um, You know, whilst I can handle the rejection, um, the thing that I worry most, obviously, that goes through my mind is, is there this little bit of um, transphobia seeping through? Um, I guess, for me, transphobia is not just limited to trans people, um, not just limited to cisgender people against trans people. It does come from within the trans community itself. So I guess an example would be over the weekend, I clocked up my one-year anniversary since starting hormone treatment. Um, 
and I wore a bikini for the first time, which was so incredibly liberating, but also so so scary. Mm. Um, I felt confident in my body for the first time in my life. And, you know, I posted it in a queer group on Facebook um, that I've been a part of for many months now. And I was shot down by another trans person who wanted to censor my body, who said, your body is not safe for work. I'm like, it's a bikini. (laughs) I was up on the Sunshine Coast that weekend. I walked outside (laughs) and I saw 10 plus women in bikinis just walking around the street. And I'm like, you know, it's... It's not a sexual thing. Yeah, and pe- people in bikinis are all over Facebook and Instagram. And we live in Australia. Like, that's, it's bikini central. And you sent me some photos of what else was posted in the group. People going crazy over uh, Fenty uh, lingerie. Yeah. It's like, and you're posting yourself in a bikini? It wasn't like you were, like, posing there naked, being like, hey there. <laughs> <laughs> like, you weren't doing that. No, I wasn't. That was the thing that astounded me the most. Yeah. Was... I think it says something more about them if they're oh, looking absolutely. at it in a sexual way, whereas you, your whole intention was, like, this is such a monumental moment. I will remember probably for the rest of my life. It's been one year since I've started to transition with um, the hormones and I'm able to wear a bikini for the first time. Like- Many trans people don't have the courage to do that, <laughs> yeah. even, you know, five plus years into their transition. Mm. But I guess the thing for me is that my transition has always been about me. Yeah. I do things when I'm ready to do them. Mm-hmm. And that was the story of my coming out. You know, I hadn't told anyone that I was going to come out at New Year's. I decided. I drafted my post in secret, you know, days, weeks prior. Wow. Um, I scheduled it to go, took a few tequila <laughs> shots, um, wow. hit post at midnight because I'm like, no, I, New Year, new me, quite literally. Yeah, um, Taking it to a whole new level. Mm. I don't know how I'm going to top 2019, let's face it. Um, yeah, you know, people t- are probably going to be twiddling their thumbs being like, wonder what you're going to post this year. <laughs> I think they will be solely disappointed. Uh, I haven't got any breaking news that I need to drop. Um, yeah, no, yep. I... No. Nothing comes to nah. mind. I'll have to think of something though. It's fast approaching. Yeah, just every single year to the like the throwback. Um, when it says like, oh, one year from today, yeah. you posted this monumental post. The problem is I can't do that because I deleted my old Facebook account. <gasps> no, that really? I did it on. Oh no, um, because I didn't want the memories of my ex and I uh, uh, yeah. and you know pre-transition photos. You know, I want my pre-transition photos to be the ones that I share with the world because they're my best ones. No, <laughs> um, no, just because. I'm very much conscious mm. of these can be used to weaponize as weapons against trans people in the future. Oh yeah. Particularly about that. Mm. particularly in the days of the internet that we are now in, mm. you know, where everything does last forever. Yeah. Um I am concerned, but I use it to also bring others up to show them that, you know, life isn't all doom and gloom as a trans person because mm. when I came out, that's what I was told. I was told it was essentially a death sentence. A life sentence of misery were words that were told to me. And I was determined to prove people wrong because I'm like, it doesn't have to be. And I want to prove it. And I think I'm doing a pretty good job so far. Yeah, you're doing a great job. Well, thank you so much for letting me speak to you tonight. I really, really do appreciate it, Maddie. Thank Thank you you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Nasty Woman Club. For more information on my guest, Maddie Harrington, Make sure you head to her Instagram page, That Trans Lawyer. And while you're there, why not head on over to The Nasty Woman Club on Instagram and also on Facebook. Please hit like and follow wherever you're listening to this week's podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five star and a review 
just so more people can discover this podcast. And I also just wanted to say a big massive thank you to Maddie for being on the show. You are an absolute gem. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to everyone else for listening on to the show. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Take care, everyone.